0: We've been in a series called Loveology, and this weekend is part three, and we have uh, Tony Stewart, who leads our students' ministry here at Brave Church, is going to be giving the talk, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about Tony. Tony is a former tight end uh, with the NFL for 10 years. Uh, most NFL players last about two or three years. I uh, played for the Cincinnati Bengals, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Oakland Raiders, and he was, he's been recognized... Oh, yeah, Whatever. Like, Raider fans are everywhere. Uh, He's recognized for his work in the NFL communities by being nominated for the prestigious Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award. Um, Tony is the founder, executive director of Beyond the Locker. It's an organization uh, that we've helped support as a church. It develops uh, youth and athletes in the area of character, communication, and leadership. Uh, last year, he won the, uh, the first year the honor of the John Maxwell Leadership Award. Uh, he volunteers of his time. He gives sacrificially. Uh, he's a great man. He lives it, uh, loves his family, has a great wife, great kids. And uh, so when I was looking for someone to talk about sex this morning, I wanted an expert. And so would you help me welcome Dr. Tony Stewart? All right.
1: You know you got to be careful because I have the mic second. You got to remember that, Pastor Darren. Oh, yes, got the fan club and everything. Oh man, now I'm even more nervous. It's great to be back in the building. Thanksgiving weekend is still part of Thanksgiving weekend, right? Because I still smelled some of the turkey on your breath this morning. Some of you even eat turkey uh, on on in the morning, huh? Turkey breakfast, turkey omelets. Um, I think about 2015. Can you believe that it's almost over? Think about for a second the start of the year or something I believe most likely, something significant has happened in your life up to this point. I know it is. I know there's been something significant. Um, A little less than two weeks ago, and I think we have a picture of this. A little less than two weeks ago, I was on, uh, I was invited to come speak to, uh, to a group of youth on an island uh, in the Caribbean, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And I got connected through this group, Family Life Tobago, um, through the John Maxwell team. And I spoke to thousands of students there, had an opportunity to just share my heart, my walk through professional sports. And uh, there were some interesting things that I learned about Tobago. Um, it's seven miles from the coast of Venezuela. When I agreed to go there, I didn't know it was that close to Venezuela. And I, and I started thinking, wow, did I make the right choice? That's pretty close. What type of government is going on in Venezuela? Do I have to fly through there? Um, but it was, it, was, uh, it was an awesome time. Um, most Caribbean islands are, make their money off of tourism, right? But this is an oil-producing country. So there's a lot of government subsidies, um, a lot of you know. No foreigner has been able to buy a piece of land there for 10 years, uh, and with some of those with some of those benefits of the people being able to hold on to their land and the things that they love to do, there's some challenges with you know with handouts and you know sometimes a handout is not necessarily a hand up. So what I what I came across with speaking to some of these youth. Is some of their challenges surround around abuse, physical, sexual, alcohol abuse, and what it made me realize is that no matter where you are, we are in this world. I believe we we deal with a lot of the same challenges. Would you agree? The challenge of using what God intended for good. And the temptation to misuse it and to turn it into our own idols or our own own gods. That comes up a lot when we talk about the topics of love, marriage, and sexuality. When we talk about sex and sexuality, we obviously come from different backgrounds. You know, most of us here are followers of Jesus. Some of you are still learning what it means to follow Jesus. And we want to welcome you here. I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Some of you are a little more conservative, and the, ta- the thought of maybe talking about sex in church makes you cringe and make you feel kind of funny inside and not in the good way. Um, some of us are more liberal, liberal, right, and have a long, drawn-out sexual past, and some of us in here are still virgins. Um, so when Pastor Darren asked me to talk about sex, you know, I thought, man, my first talk in front of the church, like, alone, <laughs> and he wants me to talk about sex, at least let me talk about something that, like, I know about, you know, like, or like that I've spoken about before, but I started thinking about it and I realized that, you know, I figured out why, you know, I'm the, I guess Pastor Darren has two kids. He's only had sex twice. I have, I have four kids and I've had sex four times. So I guess that makes me the resident specialist. Okay. Sex. I think we should pray first just to make sure that the Holy Spirit is guiding this conversation. What do you think? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your creation. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the warm bodies in here, Lord, and um, just the, the baby making that's going on around here, the building of our church from the inside out, um, just our ability to, to, to shine your light in this valley, Lord. And we thank you for your creation of sex. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, and the word literally means origin or beginning of everything. Um, In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's kind of like a a Hebrew idiom and saying top to bottom, all-encompassing. You know, in the beginning, God created everything. Let's go to the end of the chapter. I think we have a scripture verse here. Um, and read, we're going to look at Genesis 1, 31. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. I love the word good. Turn to your right and to your left and say good. Come on. We just had Thanksgiving, and you had that good food, right? Say it like it was good, like a Thanksgiving meal, good, okay? Say good. good. There you go. In Hebrew, it's the word tov. And I've, I have to, uh, it has to do with the human senses, taste, touch, smell, sight. Uh, in, the scripture, in the scriptures, tov is translated to describe bread, wine, honey, lotion, uh, perfume, fruit, a feast, and the warmth of a fire on a cold winter day, just like today. Some of, some of you are going to be firing up the fireplace a little bit later. But um, it can be translated lovely or beautiful. The opposite of tov isn't 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 bad. You know, the opposite of good here isn't bad, but it's 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 ugly. It's to do with the aesthetic and what we experience inside our human body. The taste of a glass of wine is tov to some. The feeling of silk on our hands is tov to others. The sound of a new record. Wait a minute, I got some of my youth in here, and I don't know if they even say, do y'all say record anymore? So let's just say the sound of a new MP3 is Tove. (laughs) Download. Do you say that either? Oh, man. Okay, I got to revamp this talk. But God saw everything that he made, and he thought it was good. Everything in God's created order. The sand on the beach, the sunset, the horizon, the sound of music, and I'm not talking about the movie. Food and drink, the human body, and everything we call sex. Beauty, attraction, desire of a lover's touch. Arousal, foreplay, the joy of kiss on, your, on the mouth, orgasm, it's all good. In fact, sex is very good. <laughs> and at least one guy thinks so. Thank you. We have a ten- t- tendency to think of God as, you know, austere and stoic sitting up there. And I'm sure there are times where he is up there. But God God likes to have fun, right? You know, God, he isn't a grumpy old man who's mad at the world And doesn't want anybody to have fun. He didn't say, oh, that looks like fun. Let's call it sin. That's not what he said about sex. There's nothing further from the truth about God. God enjoys pleasure. He takes pleasure in us. He created this thing that we call sex. So in uh, Timothy 6, uh, 17, um, it says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their love, put their hope in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. God is a God of pleasure. He was in the beginning, and over the millennia, nothing has changed. I love Paul's line in 1 Timothy 6, 17, about how God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Right? Does anybody can I can I get a yeah or a, can I get a yeah? Does anybody else? Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure you're with with me. Okay, all right. <laughs> we need to, we need we need to embrace a theology of enjoyment, not just when we talk about sex, but when we ha- when we talk about everything that's going on in our life. We need to embrace that theology because, like it says in the scripture, God created everything for our enjoyment. A Genesis shaped worldview view that says. This world was created by God. He enjoys it, and so should we. And we need to enjoy food, drink, beauty, nature, and creation as an act of worship, all of it, including sex. Now, the reality for me, I'm going to speak from my, my point of view, my introduction to sex was not this beautiful and creative thing. It started out with the neighbor kid showing me nudie magazines. That's what my um, first view of sex was. You know, then I grew up in sports culture. Sports culture is notorious to ha- of having this sexualized um, discussion and, and talk, but, but within that, there's still light. I mean, I remember when I was playing for the Oakland Raiders, we had some players that would actually get boxes of pornography shipped to the facility, they dump it out and there'd be a mad scramble. I mean, could you imagine what Tim Tebow would have been like in the Raiders locker room? You know? <laughs> oh my God. All right. That is why I felt so strongly about sitting down with my five, seven, nine, and 11-year-old. My wife and I, we sat down with them earlier this summer and we gave them the sex talk. Now, for me nobody ever taught me the right stuff about sex, about what God intended and created it to be. And all I learned about was the wrong stuff. Um, So when I'm sharing this, you know, beautiful thing about God's creation, about God's word and everything, you know, I actually never processed it. You know, I've read it, but to say it out loud and to process it out loud and and speak it to my children, it really made a tweak or changed the way that I viewed sex. But, I mean, can you imagine what my five-year-old was, was thinking as I'm talking about, you know, where does this thing go when I'm married? You know, um, he's, a, he's a boy, five-year-old Jackson, so. Um, but when I think about the creator, what the creator intended for sex, instead of human's twisted view, you know, thinking about the way God intended it. um, We didn't invent it. You know, as creative as we think we are, we didn't invent sex. God invented sex. God created every aspect of sex. And that's Tov. It makes me want to step back and just breathe it all in. There's something inside of me, you know, that, Kind of wells up as I think about my four children and the beauty and the awesomeness that God allowed me um, in creation of those four children. Um, our God is is generous in that way; He's very generous um, because we realize it's all a gift, right? So let's look at uh, Genesis chapter one twenty seven. Um, it says, "God created man in His own image; in the image of God He created him, male and female." He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply." The very first command in the Bible is, "Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth." The very first command in the Bible. So it's got sex has got to be good, right? That's just, and a lot of it, you know, the language kind of has changed in our uh, in our world. Because we don't talk about sex that way anymore. You know, I don't, I don't have, hear people having conversations of, you know, I'm going to be fruitful and increase in number. That's why we had our last child, and we, we got two more coming. You know, no, that's not how we talk. Because in the advent of birth control, we've disconnected sex from baby making. We say make love or sleep together or have sex. But it's the same idea, and it's the first command out of God's mouth. So people argue that the Bible's all about rules, and yes, it is. The first rule is to have sex with your spouse a lot. Pastor Darren told me to put that in there. because. So not all rules are bad, right? right? Not all rules are bad. Clearly some are fantastic. For too long, the church's stance on sex has been kind of reduced to don't. Don't view porn, don't masturbate, don't sleep around, don't sleep together before you get married. And all of this is true, but the problem is that the scriptures, it doesn't start with the word don't. It starts with a positive command. It starts with a positive command. Be fruitful and increase in number. One of the first things we read about um, Adam and Eve is that they were both naked and they felt no shame. Can you imagine a world... I mean, I'm just thinking about my world, where sex is not, there's no shame. You don't have nothing to hide about. You know, it's just pure, innocent delight and joy. Pleasure between a man and a woman, locked into relationship for life. Locked into relationship for life. That is what God created. And this is all before the fall, before sin. Um, You know, the theologians call it the fall. We were sexual before we were sinful, um, my wife and I asked, us, asked uh, Jesus to be Lord of our hearts and Lord of our life when we, when we were with the Philadelphia Eagles. And it was just through a, a Bible study. People started inviting us to Bible studies. We hung out with them outside of Bible studies, so we thought, okay, they're pretty cool people. We'll, we'll hang out with them, we'll, we'll check them out. And uh, I grew up Catholic, so I knew a lot about the Bible. I knew a lot of the stories and but for me, um, it's during this time in this Bible study with the Philadelphia Eagles when I really started um, understanding what a relationship with Jesus was and also understanding what marriage was, was supposed to be like. At the time, we were not married. We were living together. And as soon as we started learning about, okay, we had our parents tell us, you shouldn't be living together. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And for us, it was like, that's just parents saying, you know, you shouldn't do this or that. You know, it wasn't them telling us from the scripture, you know, or giving that scriptural point of view that this is the right way to do things. So as we're learning about what it means, you know, to be, to be married and what marriage is all about, you know, we're feeling, I'm feeling really convicted. And I'm like, we get home, and I'm like, we need to get married, like right away. We'd been dating for three years, and I think in a period of five months, we went from engaged to married, you know, that was the quickest I could push her to get married, but um, she's been, she was waiting for me longer than that. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole nother topic. Okay. All right. Where are we at here? So sex is not an evil curse, you know, to curb and deny. It's a blessing. It's a good gift. We need to enjoy it as an act of worship um, as long as it's in the right context, and that's marriage. Um, sadly, we don't live in the garden anymore. We are sinful. That's part of our nature. It's seeped into our reality. You know, so we're going to go to Song of Songs. And uh, it's it's in the, I guess they call it the, the, the end of the Hebrew literature um, section. And it's, a, it's an ancient, has anybody read Song of Songs before? A couple people, okay. Oh boy, the setup. Pastor Darren set me up, okay. So it's a collection of, it's a collection of erotic Jewish love poetry, and it's in the Bible. Yes. I heard one person say yes. Okay. I think it was a female voice, too. Yeah. I like it. I'm not going to call you out who it was. I saw I heard it. So Orthodox Jewish males are actually not allowed to read this part of the Scripture until the age of 30. So if they're, I apologize. You know, this may be a good time. Samuel had that disclaimer earlier about the children. But if you are, you know, 29 and under Jewish male, this is, would be a great time for you to leave <laughs> because we're getting ready to read it, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, for a long time, people have been trying to turn this song into an allegory. We're going to go to uh, Song of Songs 4. Um, But for a long time, people have been trying to turn the song into an allegory of some kind. The idea of a racy love poem, I guess, for some people, you know, is hard to wrap their heads around in the Bible or in church. And I know my wife is blushing somewhere because she knows that I'm giving this talk. And so over the years, people have been trying to take this song into something less explicit. And as a result, people read it as a picture of Jesus in the church. So in this type of allegorical reading, lips don't really mean lips, kissing doesn't really mean kissing, and obviously breasts don't really mean breasts. It's, it's all spiritual stuff, right, Tony? Spiritual stuff, right? I came, about, I came about this story about a pastor, and he read the verse, your breasts are like two fawns that browse among the lilies. And he said, the left breast symbolizes the Old Testament, and the right breast symbolizes the new testament and in the middle the cross i was like oh man no no that's weird that's just weird first of all right second of all i think the poet's just saying the man likes his, likes his woman's breasts like man can we just uh. so this poem is about marriage romance sexuality so in chapter four in "Song of Songs," it's actually a sex scene on the wedding night, just a little setup. The woman called the Shulamite is undressing in front of her husband, and he is speaking over about her body in a beautiful and poetic way. He starts from the top down. In the song we're going to chapter four, he writes, "How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats." Descending from the hills of Gilead. You're probably thinking, this is an erotic Jewish love story. Like, okay, Tony, like, I don't know what your idea of sex is, but, okay, it's going to get better. Your teeth, and I love, I love this part, are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has a twin, none of them alone. Because in, ancient, ancient, in the ancient Near East, if you have all your teeth, like, you're doing pretty well. You know, like... <laughs> Like, you made a good choice, you know. And this is way before a dentist, you know. Each one of your teeth, none of them are alone. Yes. Made a good choice. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Juicy. Okay. Then he moves to her neck. Your neck is like the Tower of David. With, built with courses of stone on it, hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Obviously, she's a crossfitter, okay? <laughs> Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. And after that, um, it, it gets into a little bit more poetic language, a little bit more uh, discreet So in uh, in verse 6, it says, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of Myrrh and to the hill of incense. You are all together together beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. I just want to give a prescription right now. If you're a man and you're married, read this to your wife tonight, okay? (laughs) I'm not going to say what happens after, okay? That's the next, okay. We laugh a little when we read this, but... We don't live in in this, you know, I guess we do live in an organic society, but this agrarian, earthy uh, society anymore, and and this language is kind of, you know, mountainous, if you will. But for me, like, I think it's genius. You know, somebody wrote a Song of Solomon's, most people have, Song of Songs, most people haven't read this part of scripture, so you you can sound like a hero or like the man when you read this, you know, to your woman, okay? All right. So the poet is is able to invoke highly sexual imagery without ever really sounding crass. And a few stanzas later, he says, "You are a garden. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain." That's an ancient way of saying that she's a virgin. A spring, um, a spring means a man's a virgin, and a fountain means that uh, a locked up fountain means that she's uh, a virgin let me take a... it
0: <laughs>
1: did he say that out loud <laughs> you just ruined my podcast <laughs> all right sorry so so she's a virgin Okay? But she's anything but prude. She's an eager partner in this evocative scene, saying to her lover, "Awake, North Wind, and come, South Wind, blow on my garden. This is fragrant. This that is fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruit." I need another drink. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Okay, after a time of foreplay, she's inviting her new husband to come into his garden. And in chapter 5, verse 1, the man is speaking again I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered, gathered my myrrh, my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb, my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. And this couple is lying in bed after it's over, re- just kind of hanging out, just feeling good about the experience. Um, it's their wedding night you know, they. you know, you think about times when you're able to do this. You know, it, for me, I feel calm, peace. You know, we feel close, intimate, connected, vulnerable, and safe, um, naked and unashamed as in the garden. Um, but the story isn't, it's not done there. It goes on to talk about, it has this interjection, and it says, eat friends and drink your fill in love. In some Bibles, there's like a subheading that says friends right above that section. Um, eat friends and drink, drink your fill in love. And it's not real it's not the Hebrew translation. It's just kind of giving you an idea of, you know, who's speaking at this moment. And uh, the, is I was thinking, like, when I was reading this before I, like, you know, saw the, the header and the obvious bold lettering, um, I didn't really know who was it, the man, was it the woman, friends, like, I don't know, like, what they did back in the, those Hebrew times, but like inviting your friends to like clap and applaud after you were done. Like that's not really, that's not really part of my, uh, the way we do things. Okay. Um, it's a little awkward, right? Um, but, oh man. So it's God's voice. It's God's voice speaking, interjecting, um, Eat friends and drink your fill in love. You know, you think about that. God is, I mean, we know that God is everywhere, but we don't necessarily think that God is at there at that moment. But can you imagine every time a married couple is having sex, like God is applauding. God is like cheering that on. Like, that's kind of a, a different way to think about sex because after we've been bombarded with, you know, the visual and the sexualization of our television, of every type of media, you know. But God is actually applauding a man and a woman's married vow, and they're, um, they're coming together as one in sex. And, you know, in this story, it's over their, it's over their wedding night, and that's that's the God that we serve. Um, his view of sex is anything but negative. Uh, even in a post-Garden of Eden world, after Genesis 3, after sin in the world, uh, with the pain, regret, uh, damage, abuse, you know, from, from sexuality, God, that's still the God that we serve. He is the same, you know, from the beginning to the end. He is, he is eternal. And God is singing over the good gift that, um, that he has created. And can we say it's very it's good again? Can we say good? Okay, there we go. Thank you. He's with me here. So we, as we continue on this topic of marriage, love, sex, and the ongoing discussion of male and female, um, I just want you to remember that sex, sex is told um, if it's in the right in the right context in marriage. In the beginning of 2013, um, God asked me to do a Bible study, and uh, I drugged my feet probably for six months. You know, he asked me to do a Bible study between um, for a men's group, men's Bible study. And I'm like, ah, I got too much stuff to do. I got, we got four kids' practices. I got to go speak. I got my nonprofit. I'm doing stuff with the NFL. I don't have time. Um, so I finally started my uh, started the Bible study, and during that time, there was a lady who was over all the uh, who was over all the Bible studies. This was at another church before we came here at Brave Church, but uh, there was a lady that gave out all the information um, for for the Bible study leaders, and her email came through my LinkedIn filter. You know, uh, LinkedIn's got this like crazy way that it infiltrates like. Every time I open my email inbox, it's like LinkedIn. You have an anniversary. What? I have an anniversary? Did I miss it? No. It's like work anniversary. Anyway, so this lady's email. This e- lady's email went through my LinkedIn filter. Um, I looked her up. I said, "Wow, you're part of the John Maxwell team. You're a trainer, speaker, coach. Um, love to sit down and get to know more about what that means." She went and spoke and trained in Guatemala. Um, sent her an email, and then you know I watched my show and go to bed, wake up the next morning, I receive an email um, from her, and uh, it says, I checked out, I hope you don't mind, I checked out a lot of the stuff that you've been doing, I nominated you uh, for this John Maxwell Award. So I was one of 3,000 competitors, or 3,000 nominees at this point, and, you know, I'm like, wow, that's, that's an honor just to be nominated for this award. I've only heard, I haven't, I hadn't read any of John Maxwell's books but the more and more I got to know him, I mean, the guy's written almost 80 books at, at this point on leadership. Um, so I go to the top 3,000, top 100, top 10, and then I'm sitting there at the banquet, and I'm sitting in the company of like the CNN Person of the Year, the uh, director of Education and Outreach for NASA, um, the CNN, um, the Larry King of CNN Espanol, and i was thinking, like, man, who's going to win this like? Is it is it the CNN person of the year, or is it like and Donnie, and Donnie and Marie Osmond's nephew who helped raise $30 million for a nonprofit is one of the nominees? And I'm just thinking there, and I'm like, man, this is going to be awesome. Because about 12 hours before that, my wife is like, I don't want you to get too excited. You know, I had a dream that you didn't win. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like. 'Cause there was a process through this inner there was a process in this interview process and I had to like I had to fill out fill out a uh I had to fill out a uh questionnaire, thank you. Questionnaire on the internet. I had to do a video, a talk on my pers my view on leadership. I'd do go through all these hoops, had to fly down to Orlando. I know that doesn't seem too bad as it's chilly here, a little freezing. But I had to go down, that's a long flight, you know, and I'm a big dude, I'm six, six, like I'm going down in weight, so, but I'm 6'6". But, so I'm going through this process. My wife says, I had a dream that you didn't, you didn't win. I'm like, ah, man. So I'm just sitting there like just enjoying myself in this, in this ballroom of a 1,000 people, and I didn't prepare anything. And John Maxwell and his president of his company stands up on stage, and they have this big, like, you know, like, Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes type check wrapped up in butcher block paper. And they're like, and the winner is... I'm like, who's it going to be? And they rip it open, and it's, it says Tony Stewart. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Come on up, Tony. I'm like, oh, I just started thinking about all the scripture Paul's talking about. Like, don't worry about when your time is called. Like, you will know what to say. The Holy Spirit will be with you. Like, I know you're going to be with me, Lord. I know it. So from that talk, I started just sharing just about who I am and just part of, you know, my walk and, how, you know, I'm not a perfect man, but, you know, I believe that God can can make me white as snow, you know. But And I'm sharing this in front of a, a mixed group from people all over the world of 1,000 people, and I'm sharing this. And from that, a lady came to me and she said, in two years, we're going to have a celebration um, for our organization, Family Life Tobago, and we want you to be the speaker. I don't know what that looks like or... and. Um, It's funny that, you know, my one act of obedience in this particular area took me almost halfway around the world. And I had one of the most incredible experiences that I've had in my life. um, Just sharing and, and giving of myself and serving these people, the young people in Tobago. You know, think about... Just think about like that little thing of starting a Bible study, like what God did to it for me, you know, and the humongous thing of the powerful um, beauty of sex and what, you know, what that um, God has entrusted us with and how he will bless that if we are obedient and, and we really follow his, his word and use his gift the way it's intended to be. Think about, um, think about that in your own life. Um, he did and is doing some amazing things through acts of obedience. And it took me a long time to figure out this sex thing. You know, I didn't have the, the talk, the good talk about the way God intended it. You know, I think, you know, as I was preparing, I felt the Holy Spirit talk to me about, you know, I think some of you are in a trap of sexual sin, whatever it may be, you know. Satan, Satan knows what can take us down. He sets traps all over the place. You know, you can't go, you can't watch TV without seeing some, you know, when we we're in Tobago, you couldn't go into any government. My wife couldn't go into any governmental buildings without, a, uh, without her sleeves covered in, like, long sleeves. So it's like, you know, if that's, like, a, a part of sexual temptation, like, you know, we can't watch TV or any type of media without being... And there be some type of temptation. Um, you know, but I, I know that some of us know the blessings of keeping our, our sexuality pure. And, um, you know, just like, I believe, like, just like my five, seven, nine, and 11-year-old, I, I got a picture of them up there. They're always running around, around here. Um, just like my 5, 7, oh, is it up there? It's gone. Sorry. That's my crew. Um, But just like those little guys and the two older people in the back, like we all deserve to know the way God intended his creation. You know, he doesn't want us to carry the hurt, um, the shame or disappointment, the struggle, uh, the unrealistic expectations that we set on ourselves, the way that the Instagram or the social media or all those you know, fake people that are not real, and use apps to make themselves skinnier, or you know, like I make use it to make my butt bigger and stuff like that. But like, that's an unrealistic expectation for ourselves. Like God doesn't want us to be at that standard. He wants to be. He wants us to be at His standard. And there is a blessing, an awesome blessing, that um, comes out of that. So. I guess I'm going to invite the band up here as we get ready to pray, up, pray right now. Um, God wants a married man and woman to enjoy themselves in a way that is pure in the way that God intended it. So I don't know, I don't know where each one of you are. I know what some of my challenges are around sexuality. Um, I know that I have to continually stay on guard, to guard my eyes, to guard my heart. Um, So if you're in a position where, you know, you're in a trap or you're in a situation where you you know you shouldn't be in or you you feel like the Lord is telling you to share something to a couple or to someone because you do know know the blessings uh, that comes with uh, staying pure and, and keeping your sexuality pure in the way God intended it to, I encourage you to share um, with a couple. Don't hold back, you know. If you need to make things right with God, God can make you white as snow. God can, God takes away, because of the love of, of, of him, himself, and the sacrifice in our Lord Jesus Christ, he can make us white as snow. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for everything that you've made from top to bottom. Everything you made is good, Lord. We just thank you for just giving us the opportunity to create with you, Lord. We know that every man and woman is made in your image and likeness. Um, we know that there are challenges in our, in our culture, in our, in our communities, in our schools surrounding sexuality, Lord. We know that there, it's a lot of misinformation, a lot of false and untruth in the schools surrounding sexuality. We just pray, Lord, that you um, just give us, you know, give us a clean slate. Continue to to wash our minds, wash our hearts, keep them pure for you so that we can honor you in all the things that we do. And if we need to make things right with you, we pray that in that that secret place, Lord, that we come to you and we make things right. So that we can honor you with every action, with every thought, with every deed, with every word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And we all said. Amen.